0: This podcast is brought to you by Meteorate. Welcome to Off the Cuff with Kel, Conversations from the Front Line, a podcast and live show for survivors and the leaders who support them. I'm your host, Kelly Humphreys, a survivor of child sexual abuse, advocate, author, speaker, ambassador, a lover of all things outdoors, with over 15 years of law enforcement experience. Please support me in my mission to break cycles of abuse and trauma. You can help by donating to my Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash Kelly Humphreys. Some of the content tonight that you might hear is uh, possibly triggering, so listener discretion is advised. We will be discussing themes of child sexual abuse, domestic violence, trauma, and other related themes. In this episode, I'm so excited. I am interviewing my most amazing hero. My mom is giving me some pretty big wings to fly with. Um, So she's here tonight to share her story very bravely uh, and hang out with us for an hour. Hey girl, mom. (laughs) Good, thanks. Thanks, girl. Um, Look, so for those of you who are joining us tonight, thank you so much for being part of uh, this episode. I was very nervous <laughs> of this conversation with my mum because we will be tackling some big things tonight. Um, but I wanted to bring her on nice and early in the piece because I really want to set the foundations for this this series, this, this podcast, um, and really highlight some of the things that I really believe need to be discussed. And that includes, you know, the silence across the generations. And that's very much true for mum and I um, you know, and I've rehearsed in my head a hundred thousand times the things that I wanted to talk about when I finally got mum down into a podcast (laughs) and, you know, um, we're here and I'm, I'm so very grateful, mum, for you coming and spending this time with us. So, um, I want to start, (laughs) I want to start with, with your story from the beginning. Um, if, if whatever you're willing to share, mum, I know, uh, if you've read my book, there's a, a chapter in there dedicated to my mum's story, but um, there's nothing like sharing it out loud. Um, so I know, how old are you now? I'm going to get this wrong and I'm completely embarrass myself. 57. 57 in a row. Um, <laughs> so, so um, you know, there's lots of stigma, obviously, for your your age group um, you know, that things weren't spoken about. Um, and I know, you know, you've come with me, you've been on TV with me, you've shared before very briefly, but, um, I I really like you for, for those who are listening to share your story, um, for, for everyone who's, who's out there. You
1: hear me? Yep. Yep. Sorry. I'm yep. Um, so just you know, obviously, I, I, I did realise that you were going to ask me some brutal questions, but yeah, okay, no worries. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you know,
0: it's up to you what you want to share, Mom. So,
1: okay, well, uh, you know, in re- with, just in with regards to Kelly, um, I, you know, as she grew up and that I really wanted to protect her from what hap- had happened to me, um, as most parents, mothers particularly, do want to do, um, not realising that what had happened to me was. Uh, the same thing really as her. I mean, when I was a child, I didn't have, um, well, no one did actually really have people to talk to like we do now, but things are so much more open and easy to talk about. But um, I never told anyone what happened to me until Kelly told us what had happened to her. And um, yeah, my father, well, I, I had been groomed also, but I didn't know it was that. I, you, you just don't talk about those things with your friends. Um, but um, and yeah, my father basically raped me. And, um, but he had been molesting my sister and I for a while before, long while before that, but um, yeah, and uh, that's what happened to me. But i said to myself, you know, I won't let that happen to my daughter's daughter. And um, unfortunately I underestimated the power of a pedophile and um, the manipulative and conniving ways that they can get around to do what they feel they have to do. Yeah.
0: So, um, thank you, Mum. I, I know when we sat down that day and I said, Mum, we, we're going to talk about this and it was, it was like we're sitting on this couch and it was, um, I felt like it, it was it was really difficult. It was really difficult the first time to hear your story, but I, I remember that moment um, particularly and for those who were listening uh, I was sexually abused by my uncle, which is my mother's brother um, from the age of eight through to 15. And I didn't know, and I, I didn't tell anyone about it. I didn't talk about it. Uh, and what mum's referring to is that moment in time when uh, I, I finally had to speak up about it. I didn't have a choice. I felt like I had to protect my sister um, she's 10 years younger than me and much, much better looking. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I had to protect her. That was, uh, you know, I was having nightmares, repeated nightmares that my uncle was coming for her and, uh, you know, I, I had to do something. And I, I said to mum and dad, I need to talk to you about this thing, you know, can we talk? And when I had that conversation with mom, I said, you know, and And I was so upset, so emotional, and um, my mum had said to me, she said, I, "I never, never wanted this to happen to you because it happened to me too, and I have never told anyone. And that was a revelation moment for me because I knew for that moment that I wasn't alone, that I, I didn't have to do this on my own anymore. And, and that was really difficult because um, I, I had struggled for so long with this secret and so confused in my mind and I felt so alone. And I feel like and myself, and I mean, we've never really, and just for anyone who's really listening tonight, mum and I haven't had this conversation. We've had it in brief ways where uh, I'm like, all right, mum, we're going to write about this but we've never had a conversation. So you're hearing this conversation for the first time. Um, And that in itself speaks to the stigma of silence because we just don't want to make it uncomfortable for each other. And
1: the the power that the the pedophile holds over the victim because they make it so hard for them to be open because our family is very open and we talk about everything and we're loving and hugging and everything. So it was hard for me to understand why Kelly couldn't come to us, why she didn't tell us sooner. So Mm. there's the manipulation of a of a pedophile and um, how they put a child. Well, I guess on the line and then, you know, just it's their own gratification thereafter and they don't care about anything else. But a child's life is not the same ever again
0: no that's right so for you mum I know it was particularly difficult growing up because you were you lost your mum when you were 10 yeah yep. yeah so the so grandma died um from breast cancer quite young so you were um in foster homes and no, we, don't, we were around. never in
1: a foster home we were in a children's home but um but you know I had if even if I had the, the um emotional strength or whatever you want to call it to to tell someone i really didn't have anyone to tell i didn't have an auntie close i had i didn't have anyone to tell who was i going to tell you know you don't talk to your teachers about things not back then you didn't i mean now you probably could because things are more open we didn't have guidance offices and stuff like that um there wasn't that just wasn't really an option it wasn't even probably never even entered my head i needed to tell somebody it had happened deal with it i don't know i don't really know i don't yeah but um did you
0: did you feel like what was happening was like normal
1: uh oh no well i knew it definitely wasn't normal <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, that part but yeah but i didn't know what to do with it i didn't know yeah what to do with it simple as that i didn't have a clue you know but for a long time i thought that you know love and sex are the same thing but you know it's only yeah. through maturity and life life that you learn that that is definitely not the case so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I, know. You know, I just didn't have, you know, I, you know, I had really who was I going to speak to? Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know, I think, and this is what I said. I remember the first time I ever shared my story. I was in police headquarters at a Toastmasters event, and I I, uh, I knew that I wanted to talk about this, and it was like a seven minute talk, and I recorded it and I sent it to mum, and um, I said. How do you feel? How do you feel about that? You know, and do you remember what you said, Mom?
1: No, I'm not. I'm sorry. Love you. You're going to have to. You're going to have to refresh this memory.
0: Well, you, you you said you felt really guilty. You felt really guilty, and you felt really ashamed. And then I said, but, but you, it, you, it you happened to you? Ashamed. Yeah. 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 But then yeah. I said you've given me this amazing strength and resilience, and the ability to do what I'm about to do. And yeah, the thing is, I had always had good role models in my life yeah. i had good yeah. adults in my life mm. i've i've been able to pursue the dreams that i wanted to pursue and it was never easy god none of it was ever easy no no but you know in many ways i feel like you you took from your story the hard stuff and you did your best through adversity
1: grows strength hopefully you learn that strength comes with that you know you you can either let it defeat you or you don't let it defeat you simply simple really you know don't let it rule what your life's going to be you know it it happens you can't unhappen it you have to um put it where it belongs I guess
0: yeah well I I just know and and I think because I think for a lot of survivors out there there's a lot of parents who are not supportive when they speak up about
1: no that's things. that's a big issue for me because I have um some friends who have had um some fairly horrific um I'm uh, not the word but, um happenings in their young lives and the mothers or parents knew and but nothing was ever done and that is tragic that is very tragic because mums you're supposed to be there for your children if you can't be there for them then and, and and I've always said this to you before, Kelly, I always thought I had put you in a position where you were never left alone with anybody. You were there was always more than one of you around. There was more adults. It was you were never left at anybody's place without other people being around. You know, so it it as I said, it belies the mind to think that pedophiles are such sneaky conniving
0: bastards, you <laughs> can say it. <laughs>
1: That, yeah, because I never, I, I don't think like that about people. I don't think want to ever think the worst of people. I always want to think the best of them, and that's just my. Did nature. you think
0: that? Did you think that of Uncle Bob? So Uncle Bob is my offender. He's the person who. Was
1: oh, look! He was. We were such a close family. I mean, we did everything together. But so yeah, no, because I never ever let. But it didn't matter whose place it was, whether it was a friend of ours or whatever. There was always never just you left alone with anybody so you 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 was always more than one child there was more than one parent there was more you know so that's um that's my I guess if you want to call it ignorance in in the um capabilities of of um a child. Similar simple as that
0: when when did you think you learned about how cunning
1: he was well well honestly not until you told us what had happened because he had been previously um and i'd asked you the question he'd been previously charged and i asked you the question Have had he ever touched you and you said no and um yeah. well then then and not until you said when you were older that you that you know and, and when there's the worst thing a mother ever wants to go through. because honest to god it was like we had a death in the family that's how it affected me how emotionally both your father and i and mm. It was a terrible thing. But, and then I, then it's guilt and I felt like I'd let you down. And, you know, why didn't I do more? Well, when I, then when I look back in hindsight, of course I could have done more because I've got hindsight now. But at the time, I was never, I would never have left you or let you be in a position where I thought anything could ever happen to you from Mm. regards to or anybody.
0: Well, you know, um, you know now it didn't matter if there was others around. He I remember one particular occasion that all the kids, it was all I think maybe four of them, uh, and he he took me to the room and he, and shut the door. The kids were just playing.
1: Yeah. You know? And then and, 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 and I just I just never think of the cunningness of that and the sort of, I don't know, I don't know what the word is exactly, but I I would never think someone would do something like that. I just would never think that. Yeah, That's you know, like stealing. I mean, you just sneak behind doors and steal something. With it. Basically, that's what you're doing. And they just yeah. don't do it. Yeah, I don't know. That bit I probably will never understand, hence I'll never forgive.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think um, I've had a few conversations, particularly in the last week, with um, different, different people who I knew were going to be listening tonight and there, there was a lot of questions about, did you ever um, get an inkling that something wasn't
1: right? Did you ever feel? Um, not really, no, not really. Because you know everything. And is it hindsight? You can see that. But yeah. had I took notice of a few things, like the cranky night with music and different things. <laughs> um, but you know, you've got. I had two. You had two younger siblings, and y- your life's not just you. It's not just Kelly. It's there's two little kids to be looked after as well. But if I had just you, of course it would be totally different because your focus is just there. But you know, yeah, when you yeah. had your first anxiety attack at Little Athletics, that probably should have been the first trigger for me. But I just thought it was nerves. You know, you don't you don't look for that, Kelly. You don't look for no. um no. you hope to God everything's all great and you know, your child's all safe and you don't put them in a position where things are gonna turn that and change that. But yeah. You know, in hindsight, when I look back, that was probably the first scream for help was your anxiety attack at Little Events.
0: Yeah. Hmm. And I did, as I got older, I started having like more panic attacks. And my mental health did deteriorate quite a bit. Um, but if it wasn't for my sport, I would have really, really struggled, I yeah. think. Um yeah. but just just going back to what you were saying before, um, and I've lost my train of thought a bit here, but um well, that's what it what it was. Uh A lot of people don't realize and I'm I'm gonna say this and I think it'd be quite freeing for some people but it's very difficult for me to say because I feel a lot of shame around this and that's that you know it's it's a lot of parents don't know what's going on because uh the child is so heavily groomed and and I know this this was the case for me that we protect like I protected I felt I was protecting you I didn't want to upset the apple cart. I didn't
1: want to No, because um, we had such a happy yes. um family relationship. Yeah, and you know, and but well, that is what would have happened him. for sure, but rather have that happen than have you hurt. Yeah, yeah
0: and he was so important to our family mm. that interrupting that would have caused some massive issues, you know. Mm. Um but a lot of survivors don't kind of think this way and they don't recognize that this is what's happening is that they're in this space where, you know, they think their mom should have done something. They think that the loving adults in their life should stop this, right? Yeah. But what's actually going on is the survivor, the, the victim survivor, the child is having to play the offender's game. They're having to play this game. So they keep the secret, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. they, they're kind of, or, or, I don't want to what, what, say they're partaking in it, but yeah. they're trained, they're, they're yeah. taught to be this, they're and, an and, investment. If you, and
1: if you tell anybody, they're not going to believe you and they're going to think you're the little, pardon me, slut. Right. Um, well, they're just not gonna, said. Yep, sorry.
0: No, you're right. It's been said. Yeah, it, exactly is, right.
1: it is. It is it, exactly, you know, um, I know from experience with a very good friend of mine that that's exactly what happened to her that she was you ask for it you don't ask for it you're a child you never ask for any of that shit that is not how life is yeah you know a lot of people who have never had to deal with it will probably never understand it because i i know a personal friend who's never ever had it and she cannot understand how anybody could ever touch a little child but the poor children need to have someone in their life that can support them that can be there for them mother should be number one.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Mm. Yeah, it's this—it's this very dark web um, of secrecy, and and mm. I was talking with my good colleague Dr. Sher, who you'll hear from in a few episodes' time. But um, you know, it's—it's it's this whole process of reciprocation. You know, uh, the offender picks that most vulnerable part of you and exploits it. You know, and for me and you, like you and I, are the same human (laughs) we got the same genes hey (laughs) um but but quite literally you know we we have the same mannerisms and 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 tactics and all that sort of stuff and um you know we're very kind and giving and so when a perpetrator takes advantage of the child they they take advantage of that kind and giving part Mm -hmm. you know and when they wanted to spend that time like uncle bob he spent time with me doing the things i love and i love fishing and i love camping and i love being outdoors and he would um he would support that he would support that and he would spend that time with me. And I, I love yeah. that. So, you so know, my you my, my dad's, like sorry. You feel like you've got to give back.
1: Yeah. Well, my, my dad's thing was that he just said, what would, what would your mother think if I was with another woman? Mm. And that's, a, I'm pretty sure my mother would think she'd rather you with another woman.
0: <laughs> yeah. and yeah. But they just say what they need well, to say. For a
1: bad. child to feel, yeah, pressured. Yeah. I don't know what the, yeah
0: so can you can you put uh words to I mean I was 19 when I disclosed I wasn't a child anymore but I was still your child mm. um, you know what because in my head at that point in time I was so scared like hyperventilating scared like dripping palms scared thinking that
1: we would reject you if you told us what had happened
0: yeah I know yeah. And, and, I, and, and, and I know in reality you wouldn't
1: I know that, but you were you were so scared that that was what that you wouldn't have the love that you'd had before. But and, and it never happened. So yeah, no. yeah, because you get yourself into such a state thinking one thing. When if you've got a really supportive loving family, you that would never happen.
0: Safe seen and heard people safe seen and heard.
1: Mm. <laughs> I do want to um, say something that my um, I don't know whether you call it lucky or what you want to call it. But before my father passed away um he asked me he he asked me to forgive him and and he said to me in uh, previously he'd said to me in order to forgive you have to understand and i thought well i don't know if i could ever possibly understand so i'm not sure if i can ever wholly and solely forgive but i said i forgave him um, that's him passing in peace i suppose
0: yeah anyway. and do you feel you feel you got closure from
1: that or um, not really? Oh, that's, I don't really know. I guess so. I guess I have, yes, because, you know, he admitted what he had done and, and wanted forgiveness for it. So I guess, yeah, and I got to say it to him, which is not what a lot of victims ever get to say to their perpetrator because, you know, you very seldom get to say what you really, really, really want to say to them. I, I won't ask that. Well, <laughs> no. no, I've seen, I've seen, I've nearly had a nervous breakdown at work because I've seen Bob uh, out the front of our, my workplace. And I've almost said, because I so want to just tear out there and, and say what I need to say. And <sighs> that part I need to probably leave behind and forgive and forget about, but I cannot. So, um, until I can shove your book in his face and tell him to stick it up his backside, I probably won't be up to
0: <laughs> Yes, it is a good book. It tells all, um, mm-hmm. which, um, yeah, it's my sweet revenge in a way, I suppose.
1: <laughs> um, you know, I, when struggling with forgiveness, it's not a bit... It depends, I think it depends on the level of victimisation you've had with struggling with, to forgive them. I think someone who's been... I can't call anything other than tortured tortured for 10 years that's going to be awfully hard to forgive because your whole life is never was never left to be you were never left to be a child you were turned into you you shouldn't have been (coughs) because of that so forgiveness is is a very hard thing and it's a personal thing as well because not everyone has the same ability as other ones so other people so uh, I ask
0: this with with love and, and you know, but uh, do you feel like, do you feel guilty
1: like? For for you? For Bob, well, yeah. Um, I don't feel guilty. I don't feel as guilty now. I still, because I would like to turn back the hands of time and just go at one point say. But you can't do that, can you? No. So the guiltiness is is not like that. No. Yeah.
0: Because I remember in the beginning, and I know that the more we've talked about this, and the more advocacy and speaking and stuff that I've done, I think um, you've come to see things differently, oh, understanding yeah, just, more about the nature of yeah. a sex offender.
1: Once you've realised the nature of a, 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 a yeah, I honestly have totally underestimated their abilities, um, yeah. and there was not. He would have, no matter what we would have done, a bar for locking Kelly up and never letting her out of the house, he would have found it an opportunity of some short yeah. sort. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. So I
0: guess for any parents out there who are listening tonight, um, I just want to encourage you to recognise the manipulative, grooming, cunning oh. nature of a predator and understand that predators groom families in order to have access
1: absolutely and, you know, and
0: sexual access to a child
1: they're there to help yeah. they're there to do this they're there for that but then they're, they're grooming everybody in their whole in cer- cer- the whole circle their whole circle yeah to get what they want
0: yeah and that is unfortunately sexual gratification which yeah. is what the grooming definition is mm. so you know but understandably there are parents who also uh, don't believe or disregard uh, their child's disclosure. And, yeah, um, you know, I had an irrational fear, absolutely irrational fear that I would not have a place in the house anymore, that you guys would not love me. And it is a rational fear. And it doesn't matter if you're an adult or a child, but when you're an adult, You still have those childlike feelings. You still want to be loved. You still want to be, you know, cared for. And I think you have to come to a point where I think the need to speak up is more powerful than the need to stay silent, right? Yeah. And at that point it wasn't just about me. These nightmares were so vivid. It was like I could reach out and I could touch him in these dreams and I was sick to my stomach. And, you know, it wasn't long after I'd um, spoken and and told you what was happening. Um, and I was 19 when I disclosed. My sister is 10 years younger than me, so she was only just eight or nine at that point in time, right? So, you know, that's a little bit later than when the offending started with me, but I, it was playing on my mind that he was possibly going to target her. And then, you know, that's when you saw him squatting down behind a car watching her, you know, and you called him out on it and you did the right thing, but it was also around the same time that I had yep. disclosed. So you know, this happens and it's real and we need to stand up for these kids who cannot stand up for themselves.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And and you know these the I feel particularly hard for those young people whose mother or whoever who's their carer knows there's something going on and does nothing about it that is the most heartbreaking thing I can possibly think of or even some even sometimes they condone it I mean that's just I, that boggles my mind to think that that where is the love there from a parent that is not that selfish thoughtless single-mindedness as simple as that they they're not thinking of their child at all unfortunately so but the poor child then where does the poor child go if it can't go to its mother or auntie or who an it? adult an adult yeah. which which adult in their life is going to be there for them yeah so you know and that goes on it does go on mm. and yeah and the Look, I... speak about what happened to them because what are they going to do who are they going to go to their mother didn't support them mother yeah
0: that's so what sad.
1: what what advice would you give to those parents well to those parents the parents yeah. you know your child children come first In in life children always come first if you didn't want them to come first don't have them you look after them you don't drag them up you bring them up you raise them and you raise them properly but you know those parents out there that aren't there for your children well i don't know what you can do for that but the child needs to be or find or look for someone they can trust there must be a teacher, um, the bus driver. Heaven forbid. <laughs> but yeah, that's hard. That's hard. Yeah. When the, the ability to find someone to try Look, I had nobody. Who was who was I going to tell? I had no one yeah. to tell. So. so
0: when I so going back to when I disclosed to you, how did you move through that?
1: Oh, we will. We, well, it was a very, very, very traumatic and difficult time for us. But not. It's not all about. It's not about us. But. The feeling that your father and I had was honestly—it was like something had died in our family. That the the, the grieving—it was we were grieving. Simple as that. We were grieving for the loss of something that should not have been lost. And it took us a, a long time. Um, it took us a long time. It was it was a, a def, a just a grieving process. As simple as that. The loss of something that was will never come back and never get back.
0: Now, I know I know we've had never really, like I said, this is the first time we've had this conversation. Um, but do you think, and I mean, I don't know, I kind of, I mean, I'm always good to talk about stuff, but I kind of avoided this with you because I'm like, oh, this is going to be a hard conversation. I'm not sure I'm ready for this. But did did you, because initially we didn't talk about it really at all you know we, we didn't I think we each had our own grief to go through yeah. you know and it was also a short time after I did go overseas at that point as well yeah but we never spoke about it really, and I right. didn't No, well I didn't get therapy or anything like that for a very long time
1: hmm. but yeah um, we both we both had had to deal with something we had not dealt with before yeah you're right we, we probably should have done it together I probably should have read mm-hmm. America with you
0: so in hindsight if you're listening <laughs> make sure that when your child discloses or somebody close to you discloses you get early intervention and support as much as possible um, because uh, I promise you as an adult with a lived experience um, I've had to battle through some pretty big shit basically. And a lot of that could be avoided with better strategies and having talked to somebody much earlier about this. Um, and, you know, and I didn't. I didn't.
1: There, you hear so many stories of women who are older who have never, ever told anyone what happened to them because of the shame, I guess, that they think they carried through their adult life. But it's not their fault. Mm. It's not the victim's fault. They've done nothing to warrant it want it or anything
0: no sorry 100 no that's all right you okay yep you're a bloody legend (laughs) (laughs) mum. all right and it's and it's look there's so many and i say this to the women who are watching this who are older um well, look, anyone really, but for those of you who've never shared your story, never spoken up about what's happened, um, I see you. My mum sees you. I feel you. And I, I totally understand. Right. And, yeah, and, you, and the choice to talk up, the choice to talk up, you know, a lot of people say you have to talk up, you have to talk about this. Well, you don't. But I really would encourage you to tell someone you don't have to report it to the police you don't have to but breaking that silence
1: is the first uh, first big step it's not our shame It it is not our shame it we have done nothing to be ashamed of what had happened to us is what is to be ashamed of who the perpetrator of whatever happened to us is what we should be ashamed of not us ourselves we have done nothing we did nothing to be ashamed of It was done to us, not the other way around. There is no shame in me or you.
0: I love you, Mama. (laughs) You're awesome. Um, Yeah, guys, like if you're sitting there and if you're somebody (sighs) who struggles to deal with your abuse, if it holds power over you, meaning you can't talk about it, you can't, uh, even see, there's all these triggers, there's all this stuff going on. Um, you can't step into your own success because of this. That person's still holding power over you. You don't owe them anything. You do not owe them one fucking thing. Absolutely one thing. Not. You do not owe them anything.
1: Nope.
0: Right? Not one more second of your time, not one more second of your energy. Because I can tell you right now, the energy it takes to hold your secret. To hold on to your Just shame you up. It kills you. It kills you. So I give you permission to let that go. If you need permission, I'm giving you permission.
1: Yep. You don't
0: have to hold that. Right? It doesn't belong to you. The responsibility of any abuse. Now a child cannot make adult decisions when they are a child. Right. Child cannot make adult decisions when they are a child. So, if you're sitting there believing that you're supposed to make decisions about life and love as a child, I'm telling you right now, that's not the case. You cannot have made those decisions in consent. There's no consent. A child cannot give consent. Nope. Right. So, let that go. Let it go. That shame does not belong to you. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You've heard it from my mom and you've heard it from me. We're two generations apart. Okay. But you don't have to hold on to that.
1: No. Break, break the shame cycle. Get off that bicycle.
0: That rhymes, mom. Good job. <laughs> oh, <it's not. laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. Um, all right. There was some things I wanted to ask you, um, mom, and particularly, (laughs) whoo, that was hardcore. All right. Okay. Shake it off. Um, about, um, you know, again, and in hindsight, um, looking at things now. So, you know, we sat down, we've talked about this. We know, we know, Uh, what happened right so what do you think so the signs or things that people can be looking out for in their child um you know and and from a mother's point of view because you're so close to it sometimes it's very hard to see yeah and and also
1: you you have mothers have busy lives you know you're busy doing all sorts of things in the house that but just different different um behaviors um I think and when if an attitude towards something changes but definitely if um there's anger towards somebody particularly I think that's probably the main thing because um that would be the one thing I would pick up mostly about Kelly being angry at not so much Bob but his partner because I think Kelly always felt that she knew what was going on and never said a word and um that's why she was so angry at her and had I thought about yes but look for behaviors but anger for sure because um children aren't normally angry and then get angry there's something's going on So, yeah, most of those are the things. But definitely uh, anything different going on in the child's life, that's for sure, in their everyday life. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and look, I I often say, you know, because a lot of parents will ask me, well, how do I stop this from happening? And I always say, look, you are the closest thing to your child. It is the power of that connection, which is the most important thing because only you will see when something changes
1: yeah. and it, yeah.
0: I mean, you're going to see, and it's going to be like Mum said, a mood shift. And I, I talk a lot about roller coasters and being on a roller coaster through this journey, because what would normally happen is I'd be abused by my uncle. We'd have, he'd touch me and you know, there'd be a, an, an incident. And then the next day I'd have this, I'd, I'd feel filthy. I'd feel disgusting in my own skin. And, I I just would need, I'd have to have a shower and like lots of showers and clean myself and, um, you know, I I would disappear in myself for a couple of days. I would disappear into my books and, you know, sort of hide away from the world and uh, disassociate from myself, not really connecting, not really consciously aware of my surroundings or, Mm. you know, not able to respond quickly to instructions and things like that. Or alternatively, you know, so bloody busy, you know, you couldn't ground me for a second, you know, and that's still the way I am. (laughs) It's my default response, you know, and you don't always pick up on them, but you will get a feeling. Now, I want to ask you, Mum, did you ever feel, did you get a feeling, a gut instinct?
1: Um. Oh, I can't really say, to be honest. Because as I said, I'm one. now jaded by hindsight. So hindsight, I can yeah. certainly say there's things. Yeah. But
0: because I, I remember. So this this was the last incident, right? So when, oh, when this was...
1: Yes, I you, do. Um, you
0: remember. You remember. I do
1: remember what you're talking about. When you broke your yeah. leg.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, almost. Look, I was 15 and I had this birthday cake. It was full of the most amazing like icing ever. And uh, I ended up... <laughs> getting chased with a pile of cream out in the backyard and I could sprint, you guys. I was so fast. Anyway, I piss bolted and like ran flat back into the back of a BMW (laughs) and I dented it and I busted my knee. So I was messed up and I couldn't walk very well at all. Uh, The following day, so I know I was 15, the following day, um, my uncle took me fishing and this was the last incident. And Mum and I talk about this now in because it's when the puzzle pieces sort of fell together, but mum didn't quite know at, at that point what it was that she was seeing. Um, again, because groomers are so good at what they do. Uh, yep. it, it was it was very difficult. And um, we, we'd gone fishing and, um, you know, he took me down the bush or whatever and he started to sexually offend against me um, and... Basically, I lost my shit, and went Xena warrior Princess on him, um, I kicked him out of the back of the car, punched him in the chest. I swore, like I swore at him. I said, don't you fucking touch me again. Don't you fucking touch my sister. Um, I'll fucking kill you. I was so angry, but I didn't know what was going to happen. And at that point, um, I I thought, because he used to go pig shooting, I thought, I'm going to be a dead pig. He's going to rape me, or he's going to leave me here. And I didn't think for one second that he would just say, okay, I'll take you home. I was like, you fucking coward.
1: No, they're weak. They're weak. That's why they pick on children.
0: But then I was so angry because I thought, why the fuck? If I could say this after one moment, like one time, and I say, stop, what are you fucking doing? Don't touch me. You don't have have that
1: ability as a child. You don't have that ability and the strength to say, stop, when you're seven. You don't. No.
0: No, okay. but we expect and this is this is part of the shame if you're out there and you're listening, you feel like you're meant to be an adult making these decisions, like I should be able to make this stop. Okay. I should be yeah. able to say no, but you you don't that's all my mom's saying. You don't have that capacity. No, you, you don't, have that,
1: don't have that
0: it. um, plus it's a trauma response, right? Fight, flight, freeze, forward, right? Hmm. You don't have that capacity. No. So when I came back to the house after that, I was obviously extremely emotional um and I I stormed out of the car and then mum came out
1: yeah do you remember and then I just asked what was going on
0: yeah and he said it was a difference of opinion Uh, Were his words yeah he said a difference of opinion when
1: you when you when you broke your leg in Toowoomba and I had to get because dad was away working he drove us down and he helped get you in the back of the car and I saw the look of fear on your, in your eyes then, but you were about 17, 18 then. And it was yeah. just before you told me, told us what had happened that, because I think that was the start of you having to deal with everything and have to say what, cause I thought what's going on here. Yeah. Why are you so scared that he is here? What's, what's this mean? You know? Yeah. And then my brain so, started to think things too. And I thought, well, you never said anything. So, you know, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So moving forward. So from that moment, obviously things had been like sitting in my mother's little brain and I went off to college and, uh, was competing and training and doing amazing, cool things. And, um, I'm really special. And I I think I've said this before is like, sometimes you need to be hit by a car to be woken up.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what happened. (laughs) That's
0: what happened. I got, I got hit by a car and I broke my leg. Um, that was not fun. (laughs) But um it was it was that moment that um yeah I, I came undone. I literally couldn't contain all the stuff that was inside of me. And you know, that's when I ended up telling mum and dad and I I couldn't walk and I couldn't drive, so she brought Bob with her to come and no, actually I had my grandmother and he came, I can't remember. Anyway, he picked me up.
1: But that was Mum and Bill come, got terrified. you from Mum and Bill got you from Toowoomba, and we picked you up from Mum and Bill's place.
0: Yeah. So my grandmother and uh, grandfather at the time um,
1: yeah.
0: picked me up. But yeah, it was just I was I, I had grown, see, because I was away. I'd spent this time at college, and I was growing, and I was strong, and I was learning about myself. I was taking back my power, people. I was mm-hmm. taking back my freaking power, right? and then he comes back in and you know i don't get triggered a lot but i i had a trigger response to him and i was i was afraid and i remember the moment because he was pick he picked me up and was putting me in the car and it, it scared the shit out of me to be honest it, i was i felt so sick and that was that was the beginning of the end for him mm-hmm. right so then um you know uh, I told mum and dad and then we went to the police and there is, I wouldn't say it's a happy ending, but there is some closure. We ended up, um, he ended up getting convicted uh, and sentenced to four years, but only served 18 months. So I, I won't comment too much publicly. But about he has feelings. lost,
1: he has lost way more than we have. He doesn't have any of his family anymore. We have still got all of ours. So
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's the part, I guess, I can draw my justice was served card from. Um, But in saying that, you know, I'm and I have to be grateful to you, Mum and and Dad, um, for providing me the ability to have the strength and resilience to do shit like this podcast, you know, and Mm -hmm. and to be here and to, to, like, have these conversations because without the strength and the courage from you guys, I'm, I wouldn't be here, you know? Yeah. Um, so, that being said, it's not definitely not been an easy journey for me. Like, it has been, I mean, and, and we'll talk about this in this series, guys. Like, we're going to talk about triggers and relationships and not being able to see red flags due to trauma, um, you know, the definition of love and how it changes. There's so much, I, so much stuff to unpack.
1: I think. Um, for some people, they have wonderful instincts. And if your first instinct about someone is to not trust them, then don't. Simple as that, do not. Because if that's what you feel, then then honestly, nine times out of ten, that is exactly what you should be doing, not trusting them. So no, you, not at all. It doesn't have to be whoever it is in your family or, or close friends. Don't. If you have that feeling, for goodness sakes, work, don't take notice of it. Because, yeah, it's, you know, it is a mother sometimes has it. Well, sometimes one of the family members do. But, yeah, but listen to it for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think we dismiss gut feelings as things that they're not. Sometimes we write them off as other stuff. Yeah. When, you know, intuition is so important. It is very
1: important. Um, If someone gives you the creeps, there's a reason they're probably creepy.
0: Yes, they are. Um, okay, cool. So, look, we've we've probably there's so much we could unpack, Mum. Seriously, there's a, a lot of people tonight watching, and if you're watching tonight, I just want to thank you so much for supporting Mum and I to have this conversation. There's a lot that um, didn't get to ask, but you know, maybe Mum will come back and we'll tackle them again another night. But um, sure, you know, it's it's very hard. And I can't imagine, I mean, I'm a step parent, but I'm not a parent myself. You um, know, I can't imagine what it would be like to, um, you know, have a child who was sexually abused by someone close in our family. You know, I can't think of the ultimate betrayal. So I guess I just want to ask yep. you, mum, what did you do with that betrayal? What did you, how did you handle the betrayal?
1: For me or for you?
0: for you, for you as a mum?
1: I don't know. I've handled it. I think I've handled it quite well. I've never done drugs or lost the plot or whatever. Um, you know, it's, I put my personal, personally for me, I've treated life as a filing cabinet and it's in its filing cabinet and if I need to get it out, I'll bring it out. But I don't very often get to the bottom shelf, so that's it. And then how, how did you feel
0: when... You know, because obviously, when so when my mom was growing up, she relied very heavily on my abuser, my uncle, her brother, to support her because there wasn't those role models and those strong characters in her family. So, you know, it was he was mum's big bro. You know, um, and and knowing what he had done, what did what did you do with that?
1: Well, that's the most devastating thing, isn't it? That is the biggest betrayal at all to destroy a family for your own personal pleasure. And you know, that's the biggest betrayal I can imagine because yeah, you've just destroyed a whole network of lives for your own pleasure.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of families particularly, don't want to believe that someone who's close to them could possibly be that person, could possibly abuse their child, Um, and and they don't believe. They don't believe the child. And I'm going to say this. Statistics suggest to us that 98% of children who disclose are, they are telling the truth right? So if you're a parent and a child discloses to you, the first thing you must do is just believe them. You have to believe them. Yep. They're not making that shit up. You cannot make up this stuff. You really can't. So first and foremost, believe them. And, you know, my greatest fear was my parents wouldn't love me anymore. That mom and dad would abandon me or somehow be alone. So the next thing is to validate your love for them. I love you.
1: It's not your fault.
0: It's not your fault.
1: Hmm.
0: You know? So that's probably the most important thing I want to say from this is if you're that parent, like, don't doubt your child's disclosure, right? Right? You have yeah. to believe. Them.
1: You believe them and find the truth.
0: Yeah, mm. because this, this shame and this stigma carries on. You know, like, uh, and a lot of parents. Gosh, there's so many things in my head. Um, <clears throat> one one thing is like I didn't know about my mum's story until I was 19 and disclosed to her. Right, and then she's like, "Oh my God, it was giving her permission to share her story." So she just said, "That happened to me too." If you're out there and you've got a story and you've got children that are struggling with stuff, tell them. Tell them that you have a story. You don't have to go into the nitty-gritty. If they're a young child, have an age-appropriate conversation with them and say, hey, you know, this is what happened to me. But you you don't have to go into, you know, the the details of it. You don't need to do that at all. You don't need to traumatise the child. But I I 100% believe they should know Mm. something. So they know. They're not alone, right? They know they're not alone. Mm. Simple as that.
1: So, so they can, they feel more free to open up and speak if it's happening to them. Mm, there's connection then. Yeah.
0: Mm. Um, all right, Mum, so we've just got one question here. Uh, was there ever a thought in your mind, June, where you thought apple doesn't fall far from the tree? Did you ever consider that there may have been a chance one of your brothers could also be potentially like your father.
1: No, because I was I'm was, I'm a very I never ever thought that. I I'm a very naive person. <laughs> and I'm um, also like to think the best of people until they prove me otherwise. Well I was proven otherwise as again saying totally underestimating the power of a pedophile. Um no, because I never thought that way but uh, you know in hindsight of course I should have felt that way. But um I think no but the innocence of a child you don't put it in a in its in a a box and label it because you just can't but as an adult and you look back sure you can change and think you know perhaps I don't know but I was young very young when I had Kelly so um I guess you know naivety um whatever you want to call it I'm a very naive person I was blissfully unaware of many things in my life so but yeah, I like to people to think that people will treat me and mine the same way as I would treat them. And I've always thought that until mm. I grew up and realised there was arseholes and bitches in the world. But <laughs> 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 it's true. I was quite old before I realised that people were bitchy.
0: <laughs> you do, Mum. You you're and I'm the same way. You would think that with all the trauma and uh, you know my role as a law enforcement officer uh, I would be very jaded about people and I tend to be a little bit more wiser now, but, you know, growing up as a teenager, particularly I had no boundaries, you know, and boundaries is a a conversation for another podcast because, um, many survivors struggle to implement strong boundaries and, you know, say, this is not okay. This is okay for me. Very, very hard. And that's, that's as a direct result of, um, childhood trauma. It's 100%. Um, but I have always struggled with boundaries. I've always struggled to say what I need uh and, and you know it's it's hard. it's really, really difficult, but particularly um when it's familial abuse, right? Because the boundaries are completely blurred. you know the safe space in my bed is a safe space, but when somebody's in my family violates my safe space, which is my bed, then you can't sleep anymore because you the, the the safe space that is your bed is no longer that place you know your home is no longer a safe place because it's where the traumas happen so you can't heal and i'll tell you this now if you've got a child who's being abused in a house you need to bloody move right simple as that a child cannot heal in the same place that the trauma has occurred you know there's there's so much and guys we are going to unpack so much in this off the cuff with kel series because I believe these conversations need to happen. They need to happen, um, you know, for all the little Kellys and the little Junes out there that have haven't got a voice, um, you know. And I, I wanted to bring Mum on here to, to, I guess, answer the questions for many survivors who um, whose mums they, they haven't had this conversation. So I feel like we're kind of having this conversation on behalf of many who are in a similar situation to us, where a mother and a child have you know both been sexually abused because that's generational trauma right we need to interrupt it by speaking out we need to interrupt it by saying you know this is what's happening i'm not okay with it
1: Mm. um i just want to go back to the question you just said In as i think about things i must have had in my back of my mind thinking that maybe you know perhaps the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree because i never left you in his care on your own i would not you know there was always his wife and four other children or six other adults or you know you were never you know but as i said the opportunity that the, the, the ability to, for them to take an opportunity from nothing is incredible so mm. yeah, because you were never there alone ever so so mm. in my mind maybe maybe obviously yeah you know yeah maybe i did think that
0: yeah yeah it's mm. just one more question mum and then we'll probably um end up tidying up the end of this uh stream um but when when you uh, i shared with you um the question is was it the first time that dad had heard as well yes and the answer is yes so mm. um you kept your secret mum for nearly 30 years is that
1: right yes I'd never told anybody, not my sister, not my husband. And my husband, and I've been married for 30 something years now. So yes, it was the first time he heard it as well. But I'm um, saying, so Kelly, like when you launched your book, that lady who was 80, or what was she, 80 year old, she came up to crying and she said to you, I have never told anybody what had happened to me as a child. And she just was in tears. It was just amazing. But yeah, kept yeah. that time to herself. Yeah. And probably yeah. was she not mentioned anything to you, never told anybody ever
0: mm. yeah and and guys if you're no, out there and you what was that sorry
1: that's the stigma that they make you feel behind it that it's it's your fault and that you should be shamed but there is no shame for us
0: no that's right you don't own it guys it's not yours it belongs <laughs> to the predator's uh,
1: the, the weight was of that responsibility. Sure. Be, be sad because you know you've lost something that will never be brought back but yeah that's a find normal part else. of
0: the process
1: find something else that's right. Use your, but use your, yeah, use your things to do something better.
0: Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, if you are sad, that's okay. That's actually quite normal, all right? So if you don't feel anything, that's also very normal. Mm. So never, ever beat yourself up for how this makes you feel because I guarantee you you're probably feeling exactly how you're meant to be feeling, mm. all right? Um, but don't let it hold power over you. Do, do not let that predator have control over you anymore. Do not give them one more ounce of your energy or your time okay um all right so guys um uh i'm sorry one more quick question did you speak to your brother when uh you found out what he was doing i don't think you ever did have i have never
1: spoken to him i had to i had to talk to him on the phone one day um only because i think he would have thought it was very suspicious was kelly was laying charges and um, I thought, shit, I haven't spoken to him for like because I can't, can't speak to him. But I had to talk to him on the phone. And um, it was the hardest thing I have ever had to do because I was a shaking, could, pardon me, dog, shit, raised by the body. I was shaking like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> and I got off the phone, I was just a wreck. And I said, I will never speak to him again. I can't even, I don't want to look at him because I am so angry with him still and I will always probably be angry with him until I have my say to him. If I can ever have my say to him, then I think I'll probably handle it. Maybe, I don't know. I'd like to put Kelly's book in the window next time he comes in and see you have a good read, mate.
0: I'd send him a copy, but I don't want to waste my money.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'd I'd like to. Yeah, well,
0: maybe we can. Um,
1: I I I could someone like a G up to do it, that's for sure.
0: Go <laughs> and shove uh, this in the
1: window of his car, would you? <laughs>
0: all right, you guys. Um, if you have joined us tonight, I just want to say thank you so much um, for your support. I can see all your messages and your encouragement. Um, you're not alone on this journey. And um, women. So many of us. Yeah, men or women. Absolutely. And so many of us are sitting quietly.
1: I will hold your uh, virtual hand. <laughs>
0: so you know uh, I am establishing an off-the-cuff community if you want to be a part of that you can subscribe to my Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash Kelly Humphreys and help support the work of this podcast so I would (laughs) love you to do that Um, but thank you so much for being part of this Um, and again breaking cycles of abuse and trauma is difficult Um, we've chosen to have this conversation because We needed to have this conversation. We needed, my mum and I, but for many of you out there, I I really hope, I really, really do hope that you've um, maybe let go of some stuff, you've found some insight, maybe some healing. Um, We'd love to know what what you're thinking about this because I plan to bring you more content like this. So um, I love you. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, And, guys, you can download the podcast uh, for this, in about a week's time, from my website kellyhumphries.com. Thank you, guys.
1: Thank you. Thanks, mum. <laughs> Thank you. Be brave, everybody. Be brave and strong.
0: Thank you so much for being part of Off the Cuff with Kel. Breaking cycles of abuse and trauma is not something that can be done alone, and requires all of us working together. Your support makes a huge difference. If you've found the content of this podcast valuable, you can support my work through my Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash Kelly Humphreys. You can also find me on all major social media platforms. Through my website, kellyhumphreys.com, you can contact me for speaking in workshops, as well as purchase my first book, Unscathed Beauty. If you've found any of the content today distressing, please reach out to appropriate support agencies in your country. For emergencies, contact your local law enforcement agency.